How do we make sense of all those economic numbers? Hi, I'm Jim Park. This is episode number five of our second season. If you haven't already done so, please go on back and check out some of our other great episodes in season one. On this episode, we turn the host's chair over to HDT Editor-in-Chief Deb Lockridge. She'll be speaking with veteran trucking industry analyst and HDT columnist Jeff Kaufman. They won't be trying to sort out where the economy is today because it'll probably change tomorrow. Instead, they'll be discussing aspects of the economy that affect trucking directly and helping you make some sense of the numbers and the terms you hear in economic forecasts and reports. Jeff and Deb are coming up right after this. HDT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX is a unique networking event for fleets and suppliers that opens doors to long and beneficial business relationships. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more. And if you run light to medium duty trucks, check out Work Truck Exchange. That's worktruckex.com. All right, today we're talking to Jeff Kaufman, president of Tahoe Ventures and equity research analyst for Loop Capital Markets. He's a Wall Street veteran with some 30 years of experience analyzing the freight, logistics, and transportation equipment industries. Jeff writes a column for HDT called Behind the Numbers, where he looks at some of the economic and industry indicators and what they mean for trucking. We're not going to try to forecast the economy today, but we are going to talk about some of the indicators you can keep an eye on and what they mean. So Jeff, let's start off talking about GDP. This is what a lot of uh, economists and people use as a measure of how well the economy as a whole is doing. So what is GDP? Start off with the basics here. And why is it not necessarily a great indicator for how well trucking is doing? Okay, well, when you talk about GDP, uh, there's a lot of things here that don't have a lot to do with trucking. Um, It's an inflation-adjusted measure, so that's the first word, inflation, reflecting the value of goods and services, okay? And services being the optimal word there because we don't truck services so much, we, we truck goods. And it's represented in a base year price, And to me, that's kind of the challenge of of using GDP for trucking. I think all economists like general statistics that they can use to compare one country to another or point in time. And and GDP is really more a measure of purchasing power and overall economic output measured in goods and services. But, you know, truckers move goods and goods are easy to figure out. All right. There's a box of of, uh, toilet paper. There's a bunch of hair dryers. We got that. When you talk about GDP, they they use a lot of assumptions, one of which is something called hedonistic pricing, where we're making assumptions on productivity and we're accounting for pollution and perception and the value of things. So it's an interesting measure if you want to figure out the the output of uh, an economy in the U.S. versus the output of an economy in Japan, but you want to figure out what actually gets uh, generated in terms of freight volumes and trucked from point A to point B, it's actually not a great measure. Uh, and just to this point, over the past year, uh, GDP is, and I'm going to use real GDP, which is the uh, inflation-adjusted measure, 
has been consistently around two to two and a half percent. But during that time, we've seen industrial production go from, say, positive five to negative one. Rail car loads go from positive six to negative six. Those are some pretty massive swings. And, and all the while, and, and that data really tells me more what's going on with freight, all the while, GDP was basically between 2.1 and 2.7%. So I think one's an interesting measure of, if you look at GDP, it's about 70% what we call consumer-related things. It's probably 10 to 15% um, uh, investment-related. Uh, there's a small government component to it, so government spending, things like that. And then there's this crazy thing where we measure outputs uh, for exports versus imports, and imports are actually a negative to GDP in this case. So um, there's just a lot of things in GDP that are maybe interesting from a macroeconomic standpoint, but they don't really give us a good read on the demand for freight volume uh, domestically. So, so you mentioned imports there, and that's one of the things that I'd heard that uh, was a, a factor that's different from looking at GDP versus looking at truck freight. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? Oh, sure. So we, we run a deficit in this country. And, and what that basically means is we buy more stuff from other countries than we do sell them things from our country. So when we talk about the trade deficit, it's because we're importing more goods from overseas, uh, not just China, but, but overseas. Uh, and we're just exporting a little bit less. So we run a net deficit, and that net deficit is actually reduction of, of our output. And, and the reason why is when you think about it, very often when we import something, we're importing a finished good. So there's one or two movements, maybe from the port to the store and from the store to your home. When we export something, uh, very often we've created it. And it's not just grain, but it could be furniture, it could be electronics, it could be machinery. And there are multiple moves uh, involved in the manufacturing process where maybe you'll build it here, you'll move it there, you'll do a little more to it, then you'll move it someplace else. Uh, autos would be a great way to think about it. You, you have the component plant, the assembly plant, the painting plant, the finishing plant. Um, and when we export something, there's actually a lot more freight activity uh, that typically occurs around an export than an import. So when we're importing, uh, like we do a lot of intermodal, for instance, it, it moves from the port to the warehouse and from the warehouse to the store. Um, when we export, there could be four, five, six intermediate moves before it actually gets to the port and goes overseas. So you mentioned a few other um, economic indicators there, uh, like, like manufacturing, that are perhaps more important to look at when you're actually looking at the health of the trucking economy. Can you kind of, uh, what are some of those kind of main in numbers that you're looking at? Oh, great question. Um, I, I don't think there's a single statistic that tells you everything you want to know. Uh, you know, we track four or five major ones, but the reality is we probably track 20 or 25 minor ones. And it's really more about completing a mosaic, that, that some measure what the consumer is doing, some measure what's going on with employment, uh, some measure what's going on with what we consider to be kind of leading economic indicators. Others may measure what's going on within the trucking industry itself. So things like how many miles is a truck driver driving? Uh, how heavy are the shipments? Are, are pallets getting heavier or lighter? What's the utilization of the fleet? Um, so, so we can go into a lot, but, but the, the big three or four that we watch, which would kind of be the big picture ones, 
that kind of tell us what direction we're moving and how quickly. I, I would say five of them. Um, the first is the Institute for Supply Managers Purchasing Managers Index. And, and the reason we use the ISM uh, just in a nutshell is because it captures the sentiment of purchasing managers across hundreds of different businesses. And the, the survey is very simple. Is it better, is it worse, or is it the same? And then they weight that response, and it gives you a pretty good idea of, of whether the purchasing managed, right, the people that are at the front end of the economy, are feeling more optimistic or less optimistic. Um, we look at both industrial production and, and rail car loads, and we adjust the rail car loads for grain and coal. And we find that the two of those tend to corroborate each other really well. And when you think about it, what a railroad moves is a lot of the raw materials that go into factories. And what goes into factories turns into to freight volume eventually, it's stuff that we need to move from point A to point B. So we track that because that's a pretty good idea whether factories are gearing up or factories are slowing down. Um, we look at corporate profits because the profits of corporations are really the lifeblood of the economy. If corporate profits are up, then businesses are going to hire and they're going to spend on, on CapEx and they're going to engage in travel and do productivity. And, and to me, that's a good front-end indicator of whether there's dollars to purchase truck equipment or to hire people or to accelerate the economy. Um, and then finally, uh, kind of an odd one that we use, it's proprietary, we actually created it, put it out there, is, is something that we've published in a couple magazines called the Spaghetti Chart. And, and I know that's very confusing to people that aren't familiar with it, but basically it, it's a chart that tells us the direction of the business cycle and, and the speed at which it's moving. Um, and it's, it's a measure of industrial production versus business inventories and we overlap the cycles on one another. And by using this chart, it gives us a feeling for whether we're kind of hitting where the laws of gravity kick in in terms of, of growth rates, or whether we're decelerating and we have an inventory overhang we need to work off, which, which actually has been the case this past year. Ever since the tariffs in late 2018, uh, we've had an inventory overhang that, that we've been working off for a little bit over a year. Uh, and we're slowly working that down. But that's why uh, freight has been undergrowing general economic activity for about 12 months now, almost 15 months. Um, so, so those are the big charts we use. Um, and then some of the smaller things we'll look at will be uh, economic data a lot of people talk about, unemployment claims, consumer confidence, building permits, uh, chemical and auto traffic, uh, truck tonnage, cash logistics, spot pricing. And collectively, between all of the smaller ones, we kind of developed this mosaic to tell us whether things are getting better, worse, or the same. And, and that's really all it's about is better, worse, or the same. So that's uh, a, lot, a lot of different stuff that you track there. Um, backing up then, let's look at a little bit at each of these a little bit more. Um, the first one you talked about, the, the purchasing managers. Tell me a little bit more, Rob. We do hear a lot about that index. Um, tell me a little bit more about that and why it's important to trucking. Well, there, there's two or three, you know, when, when you decide to follow something and, and you want it to tell you, it's, its value is that it's consistent and predictive. And what we find is the sentiment across these hundreds of purchasing managers has actually been a great leading indicator on truck tonnage. 
And the ISM kind of converts all these better, same, and worse responses into a statistic. And that statistic tends to peak in, in the most bullish of times around 60, and it tends to trough in the most bearish of times around 40. And 50 is kind of the magic number where people say, okay, that, that's the line of indifference. Um, so generally, when the ISM is above 50, then that implies that there's kind of a net bullishness of, of purchasing managers, which implies the economy is growing. Uh, when it's below 50, that implies there's a net bearishness of, of people who purchase things for companies, and that would imply the economy is in the process of contracting. And then the further down the scale, the worse it is. And if you actually chart this against truck tonnage, uh, and we use the ATA tonnage, uh, statistic, it's got a tremendous uh, three-month predictive lead on, on truck tonnage. Now, it doesn't always follow perfectly, but it, as a rule of thumb, if the ISM rises to 52, 53, 54, we'll see truck tonnage start to rise. And if it falls to 45, 46, 47, we'll see truck tonnage fall. So uh, the ISM is, is one statistic we use, uh, but it has tremendous predictive value. And, and that's the value of, of that statistic. Um, the rail car load data that we uh, adjust for actually follows the ISM uh, with a three to six month lag and it's been fairly predictive as well. And it, it's been a great leading indicator on industrial production, which we also think has tremendous predictive value. Um, industrial production actually leads corporate profits with, with a very uh, high R squared. So if I know which way the ISM is going, then I've got a pretty good read on where truck volume, truck tonnage should go. And if the rail data corroborates that, then I've got a pretty good idea where industrial production is gonna follow. And if I got a pretty good idea where industrial production is gonna go, and, and it syncs with truck tonnage and the ISM, then I've got a pretty high degree of confidence in the next six to nine months where corporate profitability should go. And between those three or four things, that, that's an awful lot of, um, of predictive value in terms of getting an idea of where we're headed and, and kind of the magnitude of what's coming down the pike. So you've got sort of a whole chain there of, you know, this leads that, leads this, leads that. Yeah, and you can get short-term head fakes. So for instance, coronavirus is a great example, something that might affect sentiment might make purchasing managers a little more bear, bullish or bearish. Uh, a major stock market collapse might make people bullish or bearish. So in the short term, that might affect sentiment. So you get a head fake for a month or two where uh, an indicator might move up and you don't have corroboration. The, the value of these four indexes or indicators that we use um, is when they corroborate each other. And, and it's very powerful and highly predictive when they do. And then we use the spaghetti chart more as a justification for does these, this indicator we're watching, whether it's ISM or rail car loads or industrial production or corporate profits, is the direction it's going make sense? In other words, do we have a, a inventory situation or are we in a position where inventories are low, industrial activity is picking up, and, and we actually may need to do an inventory replenishment? Well, in that instance, it would not make a lot of sense if the ISM was headed lower or rail car loads were down. So I would look for something like, uh, did we have a polar vortex or was there flooding somewhere in the, in the U.S. that causes rail car load volume drop? So 
you can't really look at just one indicator. It's more the sum of a number of indicators that all move in the same direction. This is HDT Talks Trucking. You're listening to HDT Editor-in-Chief Deb Lockridge in conversation with economist and HDT columnist Jeff Kaufman. When we return, we'll hear about the impact e-commerce has on trucking and how our traditional view of inventories has had to change with the times. I'm Jim Park. We'll be right back. Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange is put on by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine and our host suppliers. Our editors tapped into decades of experience working with trucking fleets to develop this valuable annual event. If you qualify, we'll bring you and a few dozen other fleet managers to Scottsdale, Arizona for a jam-packed session of networking, education, and fun. It all happens in a friendly, intimate environment where you can develop lasting relationships and pick up ideas to make your business more successful. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more. And if you operate light to medium-duty work trucks, check out Work Truck Exchange. That's worktruckex.com. You talk about inventories. Explain a little bit about why inventories affect truck freight. That's a great question. Um, when we look at inventories, we, we look at a lot of different types of inventory, but it, one number that summarizes it all is something we call business inventories. And of the business inventory, about a third of it is the retail inventory. Uh, and it's important to realize, as important as retail is to trucking, it's not the only industry that moves goods. So we look at an inventory statistic that's actually larger than just those of retail. But here's a simple way to think about it. And, and this kind of begets the question, why is trucking a leading indicator or, or an early cycle industry? So we've got a store and it's selling goods and we have the warehouse that has the extra inventory. And um, the way you move it between the two is, is you truck it. So let's say your sales at the store slow down and you're not moving product as quickly then you'll need fewer replenishments of that inventory and we'll actually see a deterioration in the demand for the trucking that kind of moves from the warehouse to the store. Similarly, if the economy starts to pick up, you know, before any of us see the official data and there's a lot more stuff being bought at the store and you need to replenish that inventory more frequently, one of the first things you'll see is an uptick in truck volume. So that's kind of how inventory plays in as a buffer, uh, but that's why trucking services actually are considered a, a leading uh, statistic is, is because they measure incremental changes in, in demand before we actually get that data from the official government sources. Now, in the situation we had in 2018, where we had these tariffs and a lot of businesses were nervous about the tariffs, uh, most companies we spoke with um, built excess inventories, and the number we had kicked around was four to six weeks on average. And so we saw this big economic surge of activity and freight in 3Q and 4Q18, and a lot of folks built these inventories. Well, what happened is we had this, this 5% growth in aggregate business inventories, and 5% is a magic number. If I go back the last three or four cycles, going back to the 1980s, at a 5 or 6% inventory growth rate, that was kind of the peak of our economic growth. And, and when we build inventories in excess of that rate, it traditionally leads to an over-inventory situation 
where we need to slow the economy down uh, to get inventories in the right place. So sure enough, um, we built these 5% inventories and then we got into 2019. And with the inventory excess, uh, they just didn't need to run the factories as much because the consumers were only spending at about a 2 to 3% rate. So end of day, you had 5% inventory growth, 3% consumer spending. You had this inventory overhang. So we didn't need to order as much in 2Q. We didn't need to order as much in 3Q. And we just weren't really successful in taking those inventories down. So what we saw was our own factory slowed down. And you know, just to put it in perspective, we had a 5% industrial production number. Uh, back in the fourth quarter of 18. And then as this inventory overhang reduced the demand for us to make more stuff, because we already had it in inventory, we saw that industrial production figure slide to 3%, 2%, 1%, negative 1%, which is really where it's been since since the fourth quarter of last year. And, and the inventory growth rate was still at 4%, 3%, because consumerism was slowing down. So, you know, net-net, that's why it's taken us almost 18 months to, to make a dent in these inventories we built for the tariffs. Uh, the positive news is um, in the last three months, we've actually seen this inventory growth rate begin to decelerate aggressively. And uh, right now we're seeing it slow down to kind of a 2% growth rate, um, which is not negative. But what it means is at least inventories now are not outgrowing consumer activity. Uh, so it means that freight demand, uh, unlike last year where, where economic activity might have been 3%, freight demand was negative 2 or 3%. Now I think what you're going to see is freight demand will more closely match the level of economic activity because the inventories have come down. Um, one of the things we hear bantered about as, as kind of an odd positive that might occur as a result of coronavirus is because a lot of the factories in China were closed, there's a lot of product that is not arriving in this, this country, and we're seeing that in the port data right now. A lot of ship sailings were canceled. So there's a lot of businesses that are going through their inventory very aggressively right now. And we may be in a situation when we, say, two, three months from now, when we get to the other side of this coronavirus effect, that we may be under-inventoried um, relative to demand, and that would lead to a very aggressive uh, need for not only truck, but expedited transportation. You can read that as air freight uh, service. So we, we may have a big inventory build in the second half of this year on the other side of, of when the coronavirus uh, slowdowns uh, end. Looking, looking at sort of a more um, big picture, we hear a lot about how e-commerce has changed, um, how a lot of uh, freight's transported, stored, uh, products are inventoried, uh, maybe in smaller warehouses, closer to urban centers. Has that changed those economic indicators about inventories at all? Or is it just a matter of where versus how much? No, it, it's a really good question. And the answer is yes, it has. Um, the Amazon model, so to speak, is, is very different than the old model. The old model was we would have a warehouse in the east, a warehouse in the Midwest, a warehouse on the West Coast. And we'd be two or three days uh, trucking to different stores, and we would have our stores, and we would really keep the inventory in the big warehouse, and we'd move it out to the stores when we needed. Um, now in the Amazon model, you may have 82 small warehouses, uh, all near major metro centers. And what's interesting is you're actually moving a lot of inventory between the warehouses. 
So in, in the old example, we might have 100 snow shovels in Kansas City, and we'll move them up to Minneapolis or down to Dallas or east to Cleveland when we need to. Now you might have 10 snow shovels apiece in, in Dallas, Cleveland, Minneapolis. And if a storm hits in Minneapolis, the Dallas and Cleveland locations will, will send snow shovels up to Minneapolis. So what you're seeing is, is more frequent movement of smaller amounts of inventory on a fast replenishment basis. So, you know, it's very easy to think about the home delivery truck moving from the local Amazon warehouse uh, to the New York metro area. And you would say, well, it's a smaller warehouse. There must be less inventory. But since we have more of these small warehouses all over the country, we're, we're actually doing a lot of moves between the small warehouses now. We never used to do that. So um, the net of it is there's more inventory in our system than there used to be. And it's housed in much smaller locations. So, for example, one of the statistics that we watch is the inventory to sales ratio. And for 25 years, this number was coming down, 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 down. And that was a function of the just-in-time um, replenishment theory that we used in, in inventory management. Now we've kind of moved to this Amazon model. And for the last six years, we've seen this inventory number go up, up, up. So it's kind of a move backwards from what we'd achieved in, in reducing the amount of inventory in the system under just in time. But under the Amazon model, to your point, uh, we may have fast movement from warehouse to home and everything you get in one to two days. But now we're doing a lot more movements of inventory within the system. Uh, so there's more inventory on hand than there used to be. So does that change how you look at inventory numbers when you're making uh, kind of economic forecasts? Well, I think if it had all happened in the last year or two, uh, that it might make us rethink it. But um, what we're looking for is short-term changes in inventory levels. And, and this move to the, the Amazon distribution model, I'll call it, um, is something that's been occurring slowly over, over six or seven years. So that's kind of factored into our numbers at this point, and we're just used to running at a higher level of inventory. When I look at aggregate inventory levels, um, I'm looking at the change relative to economic activity. So if I see 3% economic activity, I would expect a 3% inventory move. Um, if it's 5 or 6%, we're building inventory too fast, and eventually we're going to have to slow down. And that's kind of what happened with the tariffs. Um, so our inventory situation is not because of the way we store and, and deliver product anymore. Uh, that was actually created by, by the concerns over the tariffs. So if you had an economist who had uh, fallen asleep 10 years ago and just woke up and was looking at inventory numbers, he might be confused. But since you've been following it all along, it's that's e-commerce factor is sort of already built into what you're looking at. That's, that's correct. So any um, sort of common misconceptions that you find um, among trucking as far as what economic or trucking indicators may mean that you'd like to, to clear up for folks? Um, you know, as much as things change, they don't. And um, when I'm looking at an individual fleet, for instance, as opposed to making a macroeconomic call, I'm looking at utilization statistics. So how many miles per week am I moving on the trucks? What kind of rate per mile am I getting for the shipments? 
Um, I look at weight per shipment. Are my shipments getting heavier? Does, does the pallet go from 48 hair dryers to 49 to 50? That's a positive thing. If it's going from 50 to 49 to 48, it's a negative thing. Uh, I look at the number of empty miles I have to drive. So if, if I've got a 500-mile load, and when the load's done, I can get a new delivery of freight within 10 miles, that's great. If in slow times I have to drive 20, 30, 40, 50 miles to find that new load of freight, that means things are getting worse. So none of those have really changed. And I think when you're looking on an individual fleet basis, those continue to be the more important numbers. Um, with the internet, we've had access to a lot more data. So it, it seems like everybody's got a statistic out there. We've got spot price information that we really didn't have a cycle ago. So there's been a lot of people that are using spot rates to forecast everything. I, I think spot rates matter, but it's only part of the mosaic. But we, we look at the cast data, we look at the spot rate data, we look at the traffic on the railroads. Um, you know, none of that stuff changes, but I, I don't think there's any one statistic that people use and say, okay, this statistic truly measures everything I need to measure. And I think with the advent of all this data that we have coming out now, I, I think it's very easy to get distracted uh, by what DAT is saying on spot prices or the truck stop indicator is and say, okay, well, that's the health of the market. 95% of, of the freight that moves around out there moves on long-term contracts. So um, I, I do think people tend to overuse spot rate data, and I think it's kind of the new shiny coin, right? We have that data now. We didn't have the data 20 years ago. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the, the key metrics are what is my uh, supply of freight? What is my demand for freight? Uh, do we have the money to buy things? And that would be the corporate profit or people employed. Do they have jobs? Are our average earnings up? And um, those have always been kind of the more consistent uh, indicators of, of where are we going. And I don't think that's changed at all. And so we tend to stick with those, those broader, larger measures. All right, great. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and sort of explore all the many numbers we can look at to uh, look at the health of the economy and of trucking and where we're going. Again, Jeff is a president of Tahoe Ventures, an equity research analyst for Loop Capital Markets, been looking at the transportation industry for a long time. You can read his column behind the numbers every other month in Heavy Duty Trucking, as well as on truckinginfo.com. Thanks again, Jeff. Deborah, thank you. HDT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX is a unique networking event for fleets and suppliers that opens doors to long and beneficial business relationships. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more. And if you run light to medium duty trucks, check out Work Truck Exchange. That's worktruckex.com. We're now into season two of HDT Talks Trucking. If you haven't already, please go back and check some of the episodes from season one. You'll be glad you did. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That helps us reach a broader audience. And if you find the podcast valuable, please share it with your co-workers and friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest. Thanks to Deb Lockridge for hosting this episode of HDT Talks Trucking and to her guest, Jeff Kaufman, for sharing his vast understanding of matters economic. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. 
I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.